Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. If you have your Bible open to Genesis chapter 26, there have been times, I'm sure, that you would agree where you got ahead of God in the process that he was leading you through, trying to fix a problem before you ever turned it over to him for help or even went to him for help. Um, One of the greatest changes that will happen and occur in your life when you come to faith in Jesus is that you come to the realization that you no longer have to find those answers for yourself when you face challenging tests, but rather the answer is not found in here within myself, but rather in the Lord Jesus Christ as we trust him. In Genesis chapter 26, we see a continuation of the story of Isaac. Now, last time we were together, Isaac was a young man being bound up by his dad, uh, being placed on the altar. We've skipped forward a couple of years to chapter 26, and now we come to this point where Abraham has passed on, as well as Sarah, and we are to the point of looking at Isaac. Isaac is a man in 26 coming into his own time. It's his own time to shine, yet uh, even though he will shine and trust the Lord uh, like his father did, he is also going to sin like his father did. But even within that, you will see the grace and mercy of God very active in his life in a way uh, to where it'll change his life the way it changed Abraham's life. When we trust God, we gain an awareness of his presence in our life. Perhaps even before we trust him, we somehow become aware of his presence uh, and that we, we need that personal relationship with him that can only come, of course, through Jesus Christ. But part of the awareness of God and being aware of his presence is is similar to what A.W. Tozer said, that God is not contained, rather he contains. He maintains, he sustains, he does all of those, but he is not a God that is contained within the four walls of this building, within an hour of worship on Sunday morning. He is everywhere, always present, and always there. And rather than longing for the provision of God, which we can make the mistake of only wanting the provision and not wanting the provider, eventually we get to the point of trusting God to where we understand we want the provider more. We long for the provider. We long for his presence rather than just the provision. So if you have your Bible open, stand with me as we read from Genesis chapter 26. We're going to read through verses 1 through 6 to begin with this morning. There was another famine in the land in addition to the one that had occurred in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech king of the Philistines at Gerar. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land that I tell you about. Stay in this land as an alien, and I will be with you and bless you. For I will give you all these lands into you, uh, to you and to your offspring, and I will confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give your offspring all these lands, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring, because Abraham listened to me and kept my mandate 
my commands, my statutes, and my instructions. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Father, thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the truth that we will work our way through this morning. Father, I pray that our ears are open and attentive to what you have to say to us. Father, that our hearts are ready to receive it, that your word would pierce deep into our life. Father, that you would show us where you are at work in our life. Father, call us to make those changes that you, uh, you see fit to make us look more like Christ. Father, if there be any sin in our life that we are not aware of, would you call that to mind as well? And uh, Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy that would receive a bunch of sinners like us this morning um, to hear our praises and uh, to offer forgiveness. Father, it truly speaks to your greatness and your majesty. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to work our way through the whole chapter, but just from the outset, again, focusing on the promise of his presence. We see right up front in verses 1 through 5, God's promise when he, tell, when he tells Isaac, I will be with you. This is just a small glimpse into his life. We're going to get into Jacob. There's more about Jacob. There's more about Abraham than there is about Isaac. He's kind of sandwiched between these two, but never mind that or however many chapters he has written about him. We always hear of, of God, we always hear it said, especially in the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's a, he is important. He's one of our patriarchs that we want to listen to and watch closely. But just a small glimpse into his life. Uh, this famine in verse 1, it, it sounds very similar to what's happened to Abraham already. In fact, if you read through chapter 26 and you go back over Abraham's life, you'll see some similarities along the way as we're told this story. But this famine is in a place where Abraham had lived. It's come back around, and now Isaac is living in that area, and the famine is back. It's just a, it's a common occurrence in that area. It's a dry, arid uh, landscape, and it would be kind of like living, uh, farming and ranching in South Texas, okay? We know that come June, July, and August, it's going to be a hard time because it stops raining, right? And then one day you get 20 inches of rain and the weatherman says everything's great, fine, and wonderful because we're out of the drought in one day, right? We understand what that's like living in South Texas. But this is what, it, uh, what is happening here. That, but that famine is going to drive Isaac to leave because of where he's at. There's, there's not going to be any sustenance for his herds, for his people. There, there's nothing there because it's Everything's dead. It's drying out. But we want to notice in this time of famine that God is with him. Notice the presence of God. The Lord appeared to him. This is a theophany. This is one of those times where God appears in the Old Testament to, to his people or to one of his chosen people like Isaac. He appeared to Abraham the same way. He appeared to Isaac. He'll appear to Jacob uh, much the same way. And here God has appeared to him. There's one big difference in this story, though, that when the famine came for Abraham, Abraham left. He went to Egypt. Now, why would he go to Egypt? Well, you remember that Nile River? It's going to play another part in the story of God's people later on. But for now, the Nile River is a place of, of lush land and, and growth. It's always green around the Nile River. And so there's opportunity there. In a time of famine where you are, you pick up and you go to where the good stuff is. And that's in Egypt around the Nile River. 
That's what Abraham did. But God intervened in this moment. This is why God appeared to him. And he says this. He says in verse 2, the Lord appeared to him and says, don't go. Live in the land that I tell you about. Stay in this land as a foreigner, as an alien, and I will be with you and I will bless you. Notice those three commands. Don't go. Live in the land. Stay in the land. Isaac, stay put. That's a test for Isaac. That's a test for Isaac. Again, because the grass is greener in Egypt. We sometimes get sucked into thinking that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, but literally this time, it is greener in Egypt around the Nile River. And, and, and yet here is God saying, don't go, live in the land, stay in the land. This is everything against what Isaac would want to do and need to do for his, for his herds, for his, his livestock, for his family. And yet... God says, don't go, live in the land, stay in the land. I will be with you and I will bless you. That's the key. That's the test. And that covenant that God made with Abraham, he renews with Isaac right here in this moment. That command to not go, that's a challenge to Isaac's faith. Not all that different than what Abraham had faced already at this point. And we're going to see the same kind of challenge with Jacob on and on throughout the Old Testament this year. We'll, we'll keep hearing that theme of challenge, testing of faith. God's presence is the answer to that. Um, this time, this, this challenge to, to Isaac is to trust God. Trust God that he's going to provide everything that he and his family need, everything that they need to survive. God is going to, to be with them and provide during this extremely difficult time. And so, by Isaac staying put, he refuses what is promising in Egypt, what looks good, what looks fruitful and bountiful in Egypt for what is really unseen. He doesn't know how God is going to provide. He just knows that God's going to be with him and God's going to bless him. So for that which is unseen and, and even somewhat distant in the future, friends, that, that kind of faith is portrayed uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. You know, the, the, the hall of faith. Of chapter 11. We've already been there a couple of times with Abraham, but it does mention Isaac in a couple of places. Hear this, this faith, and, and really, if we're going to trust in God's presence, this kind of faith is demanded. It's required that we trust God this way. Listen to what he says. Now, the author of Hebrews chapter 11, he's talking about Abraham, but he also includes Isaac and Jacob. Here's what he says. He says, by faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. The same promise that God's presence would be with them, that God would bless them, and that God would make their descendants as numerous as the stars and the sand on the seashore. Okay? It's the same promise. They all inherited that promise generation after generation. Why did they do that? Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Now, he could have gone to Egypt, where the architect is Pharaoh, man, where, where the Nile is and all of the things. But rather than that, he's looking forward to something else that God is, is preparing, that God is in the process of building. And, and as he's looking forward, he's trusting God in this, that which is unseen and distant, yet he's trusting God because God has said, I will be with you and I will bless you. Not only is it a time of famine, but you're going to be in a foreign land you're going to be there as an alien, as someone who does not belong. Church, that's who we are. If we follow Christ, we're in that same place. Our home is no longer this earth. We are bound for glory in Christ. 
He is there preparing a place for us. And just as he promised his disciples that he would come back, he will come back for his bride. And oh, what a day it is going to be when he comes back. But he will come back for his bride. And he will take us to the place that he has prepared for us. But notice again the promises of God. Notice what he says again. He says, I will give. I will confirm. I will make. I will give yet again. Those are the same promises that he made to Abraham. And then Kent Hughes calls our attention to what, uh, uh, what uh, the author of uh, Moses writes in verse 5 about this, this covenant with Abraham. And he says, Abraham, listen to me. He kept my mandate, my commands, my statutes, my instructions. Kent Hughes calls those the five mives. <laughs> the five mives. Listen again. He says, my voice my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. Now, if the promise, the one making the promise is giving us all of that information, that his voice, we're listening for his charge, his commandments, his statutes, his laws, those things, that is what we're trusting in. Then he is the one that's gonna fulfill that promise. The keys to Isaac's success is the same as Abraham's, that he trusts God. It's the same for you and me, that we trust God. We have faith in Christ we look forward to that distant place that he's building for us. But we also walk in this life in obedience. We walk in obedience. There is a forward-looking nature to this promise. He says, I will be with you. You have to trust, and then you've got to stay put. Now, if Isaac had left for Egypt, what would have happened? He wouldn't have been following the covenant. He, God said, stay put, but Isaac leaves. What, what would have happened? He would have missed out on that blessing. He, wasn't, he wouldn't have been obeying God, but he stays put. And God is reassuring him that his presence will go forward just like he did with Abraham. So Isaac obeyed. He sets up shop in Gerar. So far, so good. Kind of. We hit verse 6 and 7. When the men of that place asked about his wife where he had set up shop in Gerar, he said, She is my sister. For he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the men of that place will kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is a beautiful woman. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly what his dad did. It's exactly what Abraham did with Sarah. Twice. Abraham lied about his relationship with Sarah. And it's the exact same lie for the exact same reason. He's protecting himself. And so he says, she's my sister. Now, fortunately at this point, no plague had come upon Abimelech and his people like when happened with Abraham. But here we find this, that, that Isaac is living in fear. And listen, for the Christian, faith and fear don't mix. They don't mix very well at all. And when we as believers mix the two, we're going to stumble every single time. That fear is not from God. It is not of God. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. That verse has had such a profound impact in my life. If you had known me in high school, if you had seen me in my, my college speech uh, class at what is now Coastal Bend College, you would know that this is an odd thing that I'm up here. I move around a lot, but man, this was, my, this was my sway in my college speech class. Red, pouring sweat. I was a mess. Stumbling. I still stumble over my words. You'll find out when I try to pronounce this guy's name in a minute. But still, it, it's just one of those things. 
It's crazy how God has allowed me to overcome that. But that's because that was not of God. That fear was not of God. I had to learn that. Fortunately, he put a young lady in my life who reminded me of that. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. He did the same thing Abraham did. Dads, there is a key here. Parents, period. There's a key here for us. <clears throat> you remember when you were a kid, you would say, I'm never going to be like my dad. Oh, how many times have I heard my father coming out of my mouth? <laughs> but listen, it's true. The sins of the fathers gets passed down to the generations. We can see that in things like alcoholism and drug abuse, physical, verbal abuse in the home, lying, cheating. I mean, we can, we can see it. It's generational. Just go back sometime and do a, a generational study of your own family. You'll probably find some things repeated all throughout the generations. Well... Abimelech really paints a different picture for us here. And it's an odd thing because uh, the first time around with Abraham, Abimelech uh, comes to Abraham because God puts a plague on the people. But this time, Abimelech, whether it's the same Abimelech or a different guy, there's a, th a thought there that, just a side note so you know, Abimelech could be a title like Pharaoh, okay? Or it could be the same man. He's just a lot older now now that Abraham is gone. So it could be the same guy or it could just be a title. But either way, he would have heard of this story of Abraham and Sarah because and, and it, it's, it's the same area. Well, <clears throat> Abimelech comes to Isaac, the Philistine pagan king who has nothing to do with God, comes and corrects God's man, the man who should be walking by faith and making the right choice and trusting God. You, you see the issue here? We've got this pagan king coming out acting more righteous than God's man. That's an issue, okay? That's a big issue. Isaac living in fear. Faith mixed with fear is a slippery slope and we cannot go down that road. Abimelech made it very clear. If you read through here, Abimelech makes it very clear he did not have to make that lie. You didn't have to do that. In fact, he said, that, what is this that you have done to us? Verse 10. One of the people could have easily slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. What have you done to us? Do you understand what calamity, what danger, what judgment you could have brought on us by this lie? This is no simple thing. This is a very serious accusation, a very serious line that Isaac had crossed. Friends, we have to believe that God is with us. When, if, we're, if you're teetering on that line of temptation this morning and you're not sure, you don't know, you're living in fear even, you've got to know that God is with you. In Christ, that God is with you. And he will do what he has promised to do in his word. Do not fear, for his presence is with you. This is who we are, friend, in Christ. The Bible tells us that in Christ we are a new creation. You are not that sinner that you used to be. In Christ, you have become new. You have been born again. And that old sin nature, while it's still there and still wrestles, you now have Christ and he enables you to overcome. He enables you to overcome that temptation, that spirit of God that now indwells within you, always provides a way out, so says 1 Corinthians. Now, if we have crossed that line, if you are stuck in a place where you are living in fear, my friend, the Bible tells us that if we will confess our sin, he is faithful and just 
and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will do that. That is his promise to you. Trust in his promise. Now, the story continues. In verse 12, it's an interesting thing. Isaac sowed seed in the land, and that year he reaped a hundred times what was sown. That's an interesting thing. Here we have in 7 through 11, Isaac in this big sin, and now all of a sudden in verse 12, some time has passed. It's not like this is the next day and all is rosy, but some time has passed, and Isaac is blessed. We've got to remember the covenant. God's keeping his word that he is going to bless Isaac in that place. And even though Isaac has sinned, what I want you to see here is there is grace. There is forgiveness in this moment. In fact, if you have any space between verse 11 and 12, I would encourage you to just write an arrow pointing up and an arrow pointing down and write grace in between those two arrows. Just to help you remember, this is God's grace because he is a covenant-keeping God. He keeps his promises. It's based on his grace and mercy, not our performance. But there's conflict to come. God blessed him, verse 12 says. The Lord blessed him. He became rich and kept getting richer until he was very wealthy. we got to remember what's happening here. The big picture, God is building a people for himself. Eventually, they're going to be a nation. Okay, Eventually, they're going to get there. It's a long time coming, but they're going to get there. And so he has... He has uh, all of his herds and his, his cattle, his sheep. He's got some, uh, some servants, some slaves. And Philistine, Philistines are jealous. This guy's growing in strength and power. They're very jealous of him. What is, what is this? What, what is, who is this guy? And so here we have this moment where they're so jealous, they say, you got to leave. you got to get out of here. You can't stay here anymore, for you are much too powerful for us, verse 16. That's going to come back around on the back side of the story. But so he has to leave. And so in the middle of all of that conflict, while he's in God's presence, there is conflict. Listen, being in God's presence, walking the life of faith is not, uh, is not a promise to absence of conflict. We're going to face it. Okay? We're going to face it because we're the church. And, and if they didn't like Jesus, friend, they're not going to like you for following him. It's just the way it is. He told us it was going to be that way. All right? But we have that. Either way, we, we continue through the story. He pulls up and they head out. Ever along the way, they stop and they start digging wells, wells that Abraham, his father, had already dug. They find the water they need. They find, hey, this is the place we're going to be. And yet here come the Philistines behind them. They fill up the well. Their guys dig it out. They fill it up. All right, so let's move on to the next place. We're going to dig it out here. Nope, here they come. They're going to fill it up. All right, great. Let's go on to the next place. We're going to dig it out here. There it is. We got more water. This is the place. Nope, here they come. In fact, they say one place, uh, they name it uh, verse, uh, verse 20. Uh, they named the well argument. And verse 21, they name it hostility. That's the name of the well. Hey, I found a well. It's called argument. Let's go get some water. Mm, maybe not so much. Okay. Then they finally moved, verse 22, a place called Rehoboth. There is space for us. The conflict has settled down. God has given them space. God has found a place for them, and they do exactly what God wanted them to do. They settle down. Everything's fine for the moment. Verse 23, we find yet, yet again Another promise, another time when God appears to Isaac. Verse 23, from there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him that night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your offspring because of my servant Abraham. Listen to God's presence. First one was God's promise, now it's God's presence. I am with you. 
coming out of that conflict, a reassurance to Isaac that God is with them. Isaac turns toward Beersheba once again. God appears, this time in the present tense. It's a beautiful thing how, how Moses wrote this for us, future-looking, present-looking, and then looking back. He says, I will be with you. I am with you. What a reassuring moment. I am with you in this moment. I am with you. And it's also interesting uh, right there as after he introduces himself, I am the God of your father Abraham, the first thing he says is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know what? It's an amazing thing how well God knows us. It's an amazing thing just how well God knows his creatures. David really captured that for us in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6. Listen to the psalm that David penned there. Listen to these six verses. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it. Before, you, before I post something on Facebook, or before I punch send in that email, or before I send that text, you know what I'm typing? Think about that. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Friend, God is with us. In Christ, he is with us. I love the way David penned that. This wondrous knowledge is so far beyond me. When we look back at Isaac, there's little doubt that he's believing and trusting that God's presence is with him. Watch what he does. In verse 25 of Genesis 26, God is with him. I am the God of your father Abraham. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your offspring because of my servant Abraham. Watch what he does. So he built an altar there, called on the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. Isaac's servants also dug a well. He built an altar just like his dad. Parents, your children watch you worship. We have a responsibility to teach them. But he built an altar and he worshiped. He worshiped as a response to God's coming to speak to him. No doubt he also worshiped for his grace and his mercy coming out of that sin. Not only did he build an altar and worship there, but he also put up his tent. He set up shop. This is where we're going to be. This is the place that God has led us to. Not only that, but his servants dug a well, and that well did not get filled up. There are three things here that indicate that he's trusting God when he said, I am with you. Those are the three things. He built an altar and he worshiped. He pitched his tent and he dug a well. That's how you know Isaac is trusting God in this. If he wasn't trusting God, he wouldn't have built the altar. He would have left to the next place. But he sets up shop and he worshiped the Lord. A God encounter led him to confess that sin at that altar sacrifice, to call on the Lord and to live in that place. Listen, when you're in that sweet spot of trusting the Lord and you're walking with the Lord step by step, faith day after faith, then, then there is without a doubt a deepening of your trust, a deepening of your faith, which will lead you to even more obedience 
to truth, spirit-filled worship, just like John 4 says. That's when it happens. If you've been disconnected from the Lord and you haven't been spending time with him in his word, and man, it may not connect with you each and every day. It may not connect every time you hear a worship song. It may not connect every time you open up his word. But you got to be in that place of trusting God. When you open his word, you're going to hear from him. That when you tune in and you, 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 you hear that time of worship that you're singing and, and you're carrying on, it's that sweet spot of trusting God. That's the sweet spot of worship. When we're trusting and walking in obedience, now we see the result of that trust and obedience as we now look past, look back to see what happens in the next few moments. Verse 26, now Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor in Pekol, his commander of his army. Isaac said to them, why have you come to me? You hated me and sent me away from you. So here comes Abimelech one more time, and he's got his two bubbas with him. That's what I call guys in the Old Testament when I can't pronounce their name very well. They just become Bubba. So we got Bubba 1 and Bubba 2. We got Abimelech. I got that one down. But we got Bubba 1 and Bubba 2. Here, here they come. Hey, they're... Isaac's different here. Here comes Abimelech, but here comes his commander of the army. Hmm, something's different here. What's going on? He says, why are you here? You sent me away last time because you were, you were afraid of me or something. What, what's going on? And here's what their testimony is. Listen to their testimony. Verse 28, they replied, we have clearly seen how the Lord has been with you. We read that testimony again from Abimelech, the Philistine pagan king and his people looking back at Isaac's life thus far. The witness is this. We have seen how the Lord is with you. What a testimony. What an amazing thing that they have no connection to Yahweh whatsoever can look back and look at Isaac's life and say, wait a minute, there's something different about this dude. The God, God is with him. His God, the Lord is with him. Friends, this is exactly what Isaac was supposed to do. He was supposed to live his life trusting God in obedience. Why? So the nations around him would know that his God was the one true God. That is our job as the church, to live in faith and walk in obedience to the Lord so that the world knows that the God the church calls on Sunday in and Sunday out and the God that we live our lives with day in and day out is the God of the universe and is a God who could be known through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Lord has been with you. It's our job to make him known as we walk in obedience and live by faith. We see in the end of this story that Abimelech wants a treaty. He wants a covenant with Isaac because he sees there's something different about this guy. And so they prepare a banquet together and they eat and drink to seal that covenant up. God is keeping his word and Isaac is trusting God. A couple of things to just bring it home this morning. One, I want you to see in this story and I think... God's word is clear on this because uh, his presence is all over the chapter is that there is no escaping the presence of God, okay? Isaac was going around from place to place. God said, don't go to Egypt, but every other place Isaac went, God was still with him. God was still with him. You cannot escape the presence of God. There is no place where God is not. We may say sometimes, when we think of other nations, oh, they're a godless people. But you know what? 
Our God is the God of nations. They may be without God in relationship, but his presence is there, and he longs for those nations without him to know him through Jesus Christ. There is no escaping the presence of God. There is no place where God is not. Listen to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 23 and 24. God says, am I a God who is only near? This is the Lord's declaration. And not a God who is far away? Can a person hide in secret places where I cannot see him? The Lord's declaration. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? That the, the God of the universe is the God who fills the heavens and the earth, is the God who is with you in those secret places where you're trying to hide from him, just like Adam found out. You can't hide from him. David, again in Psalm 139, he wrote, continued that song with this verse. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle in the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me be as night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Friend, there is no place and no way you can escape the presence of God. And even when this life is over and you take your last breath, you will be before the presence of God. You will be before that judgment seat. And I pray that you will have known and trusted Christ then for the forgiveness of your sins and have embraced his grace. Just as there is no escaping the presence of God, we also need to know that in Christ that he has promised to be with us. Jesus himself has promised to be with us. And we need to trust him in that. Matthew chapter 28 verse 20 says... Jesus says to his disciples, remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. John chapter 14, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus said. I am coming to you. Jesus would repeatedly teach his disciples, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And the answer to fear was his presence. Matthew 10, 31 Jesus said to, him, to them, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered there in my name, I am there among them. Friend, you can know the presence of Jesus if you will trust him. Confess your sin. Confess him as Lord uh, of your life. Trust in him to deal with your sin, to forgive you of your sin. And if you'll, the Bible says if you'll believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how we get into the presence of Jesus. And that's where we, it begins. It begins with trusting him for salvation. Now, once, we're pat, once we do that, that's not the end of the story. The end of the, the, the beginning, it's the beginning of the story, being born again. How do we know that Abimelech comes to Isaac and says, we can tell the Lord is with you. We can look back and see, what about you? Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is the assurance and evidence that he has saved us and that we are with him or that he is with us. How will people know that God has been with you? Well, the, the evidence is in the work or the produce of the Spirit in your life. Listen to Galatians chapter 5. The works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, 
promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything else. (laughs) Actually, it says similar. It's a pretty big list. He says, I am warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, you don't somehow muster up all these things in your life. This is a surrendering and trusting the Lord and surrendering to the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, okay? It's his work in you. That's how you know that God is with you, okay? All right, let's finish up this morning. I got three questions for you, and I think they're important. Three questions to see where you are trusting God and how he is with you. First question is this, do you believe that God will be with you? Maybe you're facing something tomorrow. Maybe it's this afternoon. Maybe it's next week, next year. Kind of hard to think out that far anymore. But you never know what's coming down the pike this week. Do you believe in that hard time that God will be with you? I heard a sermon this week by a pastor that I listen to frequently and he, he made the comment that struck me and never, never really thought of it, but it's about the valley of the shadow of death. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, that valley is the will of God. And you've got to trust him through that. That valley is the will of God. If the valley, if you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death this week, are you going to trust him? He will be with you, but you've got to trust him. Second question, do you believe that he is with you now, today, in this moment? Whatever situation, hurt, happiness, crisis, depression, joy, loss, grief, whatever. Throw in your own description and your own status. Do you believe that he is with you now? Hear the word of the Lord. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but he's giving you a spirit of You remember? Love. Self-discipline. Do you believe that he is with you now? Thirdly, can you look back and see that he has been with you? Has he been with you? Can you look back and see all those times that God has answered your prayer, all those times that he was with you in that crisis, all those times that he was with you and forgave you? Friend, What has happened back there encourages us today and helps us look forward to tomorrow. If you can answer yes, then don't be afraid because God is moving you forward to look more like Jesus. Embrace him and enjoy the journey. But if you can't answer that, perhaps it's because you don't know Jesus yet. 